Welcome to the Vet Coach Transition Tips Podcast, where you get real and practical advice on how to go from wearing boots to wearing a suit. We've got you covered on advice from writing resumes to killing it in an interview. Be sure to check out this podcast and more at transitionvetcoach.com. And now your host, former Navy Lieutenant Pat Bergstresser. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Vet Coach Transition Tips Podcast. This is your host, Pat Bergstresser. Thanks so much for joining us. This is episode number 12, tip number 11. This is the last episode in our resume series. Uh, For those of you who have been following along, we've been going step-by-step through our recommended resume format, so check the description notes for this episode to see what the, the format is. We recommend we'll have a link to the blog post where we walk through that Format. We also have a podcast where we talk about uh, what's in that blog post as well and talk about why we recommend all these sections. So go ahead uh, down to the description if you're not familiar with the format that we recommend. We'll also have a link to the, the blog post where you can get an idea of some examples uh, of how to fill out this section of the resume. Uh, so we'll have a link down there. Go ahead and check that out uh, if you want more detail from our site. And as always, uh, feel free to subscribe to our newsletter. We'll give you a free transition checklist. It's something that we just put together and put out there. So if you sign up to be on our subscriber list, you get the free transition checklist. And then you also get updates from me. Uh, whenever we put new content out, I know there are a lot of email lists out there. You will not get peppered with emails. I promise you that. It's only going to be stuff that that adds value to your life. And most importantly, gives you actionable advice. That's what we're all about. Uh, no email spam from us. So thanks so much for joining us. As I said, this is the last section in the resume that we're going to recommend. And this is a little bit unique. This is called the additional information section. And I think this one is really, really important. Now, it's at the end for a reason. The point of the resume is to professionally communicate your accomplishments. Um, And this is a section to talk about accomplishments, but they're not necessarily your professional work-related type uh, accomplishments. They're more personal accomplishments. And I think this section is really important because in res- in, in interviews, you've already made it to the point where they want to get to know you. And this is the very end of the resume that can kind of help transition from the resume into the interview. And what, the resume, the entire purpose of it is to get you an interview. And we want the end of that resume to help smoothly transition you into an interview where you're talking with a real person and you're talking with someone that genuinely wants to get to know you. And this is a good primer to ask them about you outside of work. And the reason that this is really important uh, is because ultimately they need to like you. Nobody's going to hire someone if they don't like them. And you'll often hear, uh, People ask themselves after they interview someone, uh, you know, as they're trying to decide amongst the candidates, they'll say, hey, is this someone that you would spend an airport layover with? Because a lot of people travel for work, and a lot of times you travel together, and you got a layover at DFW or, you know, Atlanta or something like that, and you got a couple hours, and you're going to go have a drink or go have lunch or something like that. Is this someone that you want to spend that layover with? Because honestly, sometimes that's what it comes down to. Because more often than not, most people who apply for a job, you know, once they once they trim it down to the interview process, all those people are, are qualified. It's really about who do I like, who do I think is going to bring something different to the table, and who do I genuinely want to spend time with? Nobody wants to go to work and work with people that they don't like or they don't want to spend time with. Not necessarily 
you know, someone they're going to be best friends with, but just someone that they genuinely uh, like being around. Um, now, having said that, when you get to this, we'll talk more about the interview uh, process later on. There'll be plenty of episodes, podcast episodes about that and blog posts uh, about strategies that we recommend that we know uh, are successful. Um, but once you get to this section and, and once you start filling out this section, this is your opportunity um, to uh, talk about something uh, if asked, that's interesting to uh, to you, um, and should help bring out your natural natural confidence and charisma that most people aren't necessarily going to have in an interview. Being in the military, you have to work with people every day, no matter where you are in the military. It is not an individual contributor environment. Um, and you're always working with people, and it's going to seem normal to you, having been in the military, to always be around other people. And because you're around other people, you develop confidence and charisma. You have to. I mean, in the military, we're always giving each other a hard time, always teasing each other down in the shop, down in you know wherever you work. Everybody's giving everyone a hard time, and as a result, that helps you develop an ability and a sociability to work with people. That is something that a lot of people don't have. When you go into an interview, you're going to have a a different natural ability to talk with others that not everyone has. It's going to seem second nature to you and you may not realize it, but that's something that is that you have as an advantage for yourself that other people are not going to have. And so that's something to keep in mind is be yourself, be open, be humble, you know, display that integrity that veterans are known for. Don't get overconfident. Don't get cocky thinking that you're better because Uh, At the end of the day, you still have to bring value to the organization and all the other things that we talked about in the professional, uh, all the other sections of the resume that talk about your professional experience and what you can bring to the table. Uh, But this is your opportunity to differentiate yourself. This is a section that's in the resume intentionally for when you get to the interview, uh, because it's going to show, it's going to help remind the people reading that resume and the people that are interviewing you that you're a real person and you're not just work, work, work all the time. Don't go into the interview thinking that's all they want to hear about, because I promise you that's not. They, They want somebody, like I said, that they like, that they can get along with, that they can work with. And uh, that's really what this section is all about. <clears throat> now, having said that, there um, there are some interviews that are skill-oriented. Most of the time, though, they're not, and that's why this section is important. Um, and it, through the interview process, you'll this is, this is always a section worth having, uh, but this is not going to attribute itself to a, a skill-type interview. So if you are applying for certain types of jobs, programming, engineering, uh, management consulting. There's going to be some skill type interview uh, interviews that you go through. Those uh, they're not really looking to get to know you that well. Uh, they're looking to make sure that you can actually do the job. However, there will be a point in the interview process where they want to get to know you. You might be the best you know programmer in the world, but if nobody can work with you and you're an asshole, well, they're not going to hire you because. People like that are toxic to an organization, and they can bring an entire organization down from within just by having a bad attitude. Uh, And believe it or not, everybody's replaceable. You know, when you get, don't ever think, you probably heard it on active duty, uh, but nobody is irreplaceable. And it's the same in the private industry. There's a lot of really talented people out there. And no matter how good you think you are, you are replaceable. Uh, And so as a result of that, you know, it's important to to remember that, you know, you will be in some skill-based interviews if, if you're going for positions like that. Uh, even companies that you might not think, like Capital One, for example, does uh, case 
case study interviews, which is what most management consulting firms do, and Capital One does them. And they they have a reason for doing that. That's how they recruit and that's how they interview. So you might find other companies that have some sort of skill-based interviews. When I when I interviewed for my current job, I had to go online uh, and do uh, basically a profile-type uh, assessment where uh, I did basically like some SAT, ACT-type questions uh, where they were testing my mathematical and, and verbal aptitude just to make sure that you know, I didn't completely, you know, lie on my resume. Uh, and also to get an idea of what my personality is so that culturally I could fit in because that's important to them. And, and now being on the other side, I know that we cut people after that process. I thought it was just kind of a check on the box, but they really do use it as a screening tool. And basically we'll interview someone, we'll do an initial 30 to 45 minute interview. And then if we like them, we'll send them to the online assessment. And before we fly them out to our corporate headquarters for a full day of interviews, we look at that assessment and make sure, you know, it's just another step in the process to make sure we're bringing out the right types of people. If they're not going to be a cultural fit and it's blatantly obvious through the assessment, we're not going to spend the money to fly them out and the time and the energy for everybody interviewing them to spend an entire day going through that process if we know we're not going to hire them. So uh, this it all ties back to this additional information section. This helps everybody get an idea of what type of person you are outside of work. And that's really, really important. So having said that, now getting to the actual section for the additional information, like I've said about the volunteer experience section, this should not be long, right? The whole point of the interview is to talk about, or of the resume is to talk about your professional experience. So don't get carried away. This shouldn't be half a page or anything like that. I recommend no more than three lines. I think mine's two. I think three is is appropriate. Anything more than that, you're just talk. you're focusing on the wrong thing. So no more than three lines. And this is where you talk about professional accomplishments um, outside of work or just general accomplishments. This can range from all kinds of, uh, of different topics. Uh, what I would say is this is where you can put uh, any military awards you earned. Um, if you earned like one award while you're in, uh, you, you know, I don't know if you should put it in or not, but if you were in multiple or maybe if you earned like a, a higher level award, like a silver star, or distinguished cross or some, I mean, those are pretty, real, pretty serious. I would definitely put those on there. But even if you earn like a commendation medal, like a JCOM or a Navy com or an RCOM, something like that, I mean, those, I, I would put those on there in two and even the achievement medals. I mean, it's really up to you. Um, but be prepared for someone to say, Hey, I saw you earned two achievement medals and a com while you were on active duty. Can you talk about that? And, you know, they might want to know what, what those are for, because most often the people reading these aren't going to know what type of level those awards are. And that's your opportunity to talk about some of the really cool stuff you did. And I wouldn't worry about, you know, the level of the award too much. I mean, Silver Stars and Distinguished Cross are pretty uh, serious awards. So those are pretty uh, uncommon. Uh, but when it comes to achievement medals and comms, every community within each service is different and every service is different as far as how often they give out different awards. I know during, uh, you know, when GWAT was at, at its high point, uh, over in the Middle East, you know, I, there was some criticism of the army for giving out a lot of bronze stars and other services were being really selective and the army was just throwing out awards all over the place. And, you know, you'll have to decide on your own based on that situation, whether you think or not, you think that was appropriate, but nobody's going to, in the interview is going to say, oh, he just got achievement medals. This guy or this girl, you know, they're not really a hotshot, you know, and this other guy we're interviewing has a bronze star. So he must be, nobody's going to say that they're just put them on there. If you think, if you think it's worth including, and somebody may ask you what it's about, and that's your opportunity to talk about a success story, something important. Um, and, and so that's, that's what I would do is put, include these awards. If, if you think it's something worth talking about. Other examples, if you're an Eagle Scout or uh, 
you know, something like that growing up, if you achieve, you know, maybe you, uh, did, maybe you're a varsity athlete, maybe you're a captain of the football team or you're, uh, your high school class president or your college class president, things that have no reason to be in your professional experience section, but to show that you're a high achiever in everything that you do. And it can even be, you know, other things like maybe you coach your kid's baseball team and you've been doing it for seven years and, and they don't even necessarily have to have been winning, but it can just say, Hey, I've been, you know, coaching my kid's baseball team for seven years. I'm really involved. That's something I'm really passionate about. And maybe somebody that is interviewing you coaches their kid's soccer team. And they just want to talk about that for a few minutes. If you can, when you're interviewing, it's all about what thing can you do that differentiates you? And if you can differentiate yourself from all the other people interviewing by just creating a connection or a bond with the people interviewing you, you're going to, you're going to crush the interview because they're going to remember you because they connected with you and they're going to like you because they connected with you. And ultimately a lot of times that's what it comes down to. So, you know, don't not include something here because you think nobody's going to care. Just make sure it's something legitimate. Don't put, I play video games every weekend and uh, sit on my ass and watch Netflix. Like, <laughs> do, does everybody do that? Yeah. You don't, don't, want, don't want to try to convey to these people that there's never a dull moment in your life and you never watch TV and you never listen to the radio and you're work, work, work all the time. Nobody thinks that. But um, you could put video games if you're like, you know, number one on Xbox Live, or you're one of these people that live streams your video games playing and, and, and you make a lot of money on the side as a side hustle, or if you're doing something really impressive with it, don't not include it because you think it's lame. Or maybe you're a really good chess player and you compete on the national level in chess. Like, that might sound nerdy, but what it shows is you're really good at something. This is not high school anymore, guys. And this is not the military where you get teased for doing something lame or being a nerd. Like this is the private industry. People want to know that you're good at something. And if you're good at something, whatever it is, like I know on active duty, there are troops that got teased for playing World of Warcraft. Now, if that's all you do and you're not very good at it, I wouldn't include it. But if you play World of Warcraft and you compete on you know a high level, I would include it. Like it sounds nerdy, but it shows you're really committed and passionate about something and you spend enough time and energy on it to be competitive all while being a rock star at your day job. So don't discount something because you think it doesn't matter. Like I ran two marathons. Like you can go look at, at my section on the, on the blog post. It's in the link. Uh, the, the link is in the description for this episode. I completed two marathons. I did not place in the top 10% or not even in the top 20%. I think one I finished in the top, let me look, I got it right here. Once I finished in the top fifth and once I finished in the top third. Like I'm not a rock star runner. My times were both above four hours, which for anybody who's familiar with marathons, isn't that great? Usually people go for sub four, sometimes sub 330. That's not that great, but it just shows that, you know, Now, I'm probably never going to run a third marathon because the first one was terrible, second one was terrible, and that was enough to convince me that I don't want to do it anymore. But, um, you know, it just shows that, you know, I didn't, I tried to work towards something. And and most people know that when you're running a marathon, you got to train for it. It takes usually about four months to get ready, and you got to consistently run and get out there and kick your butt. And and nobody's forcing you to do it. You know, you got to do, you got to force yourself to get ready and train for it. And it just shows that I just wanted to be productive in my personal life. And I went out and did something. Um, 
You can also include stuff that you accomplished in college uh, or high school. You know, high school depends how old you are. If you're in your your 50s, I don't know if I would include anything from high school unless it was really significant, like state football champions or something like that. Um, But this section allows you to build a story of what kind of person you are. And your professional experience section is showing all the things you accomplished at work since you started working full time, whether that was 18, 22, or somewhere in between. Um, But you can tie back to when you're younger if you think it's relevant and helps tell that story that you're the type of person that just crushes life in every respect. And I think that's why this section is so important. It is entirely optional. um, And just like the volunteer section, uh, but I really, really highly encourage it because you want to give yourself a reason for people to like you and to connect with you because that oftentimes wins the interview and gets them to want to bring you on board. Uh, And if, and if they like you and connect with you, I mean, that, that's, there's no better way to win it. And this section builds, uh, puts the foundations in place for them to connect with you because it, it triggers them to ask you about it if you don't bring it up on your own or if they don't bring it up on their own because it is on the resume. Um, the last thing that I'll say here is just be yourself. Don't put stuff in this section that is stretching the truth Don't include this section if you legitimately don't feel like you have anything. I I promise you every single one of you has accomplished something. Have a conversation with your spouse, your friend, your parents, your cat, whatever, about, you know, talk out loud to yourself about what you accomplished in in high school and college if you went and, and what you accomplished outside of work in the military. I promise you every single one of you has something that you accomplished that is worth talking about. Um, and again, it doesn't have to be something amazing. You don't have to have run a marathon. You don't have to have founded your own nonprofit. Um, you don't have to have done anything incredible, but you can, there, you have accomplished things, I promise you, and it's worth including and don't judge it. Don't get sucked back into that high school mentality where I only want to talk about cool things and I really want to be cool. Like nobody gives a shit about being cool in the professional industry. Everybody cares about winning. Okay. And, and winning is what's important. And you want to convey that you're a winner at everything you do, whether or not it's nerdy, nobody gives a shit. They want to make money. Okay. So be honest, be up, be straight with yourself about what you've accomplished, because I promise you have something in there. And when you get asked about it, be honest, open and upfront. Do not try to pretend to be something you're not, because I guarantee you the people interviewing you have interviewed lots and lots and lots of other people, and they will see right through your body language. They're not going to tell you, Hey, you lied on your interview, or we don't like you, or we don't trust you. You're just not going to get a call back. Okay. You're never going to get direct and honest feedback in an interview process. It literally is never going to happen because nobody has any reason to to give you that feedback. You're just not going to get called back. And you're going to have to go through multiple interviews before you really start to understand how you can properly display yourself. So don't expect to go into your first interview and just absolutely crush it. There is an art to learning to, to talk with people in a professional way, in an engaging way, in a personable way, even if you're naturally that type of person. Some people are better at interviewing than others. But what I can tell you is if you get an opportunity to talk about what's important to you, your natural confidence and charisma are going to come out. They just naturally will because it's not work. It's something that you choose to do with your free time and to be productive with, whether it's your kids, which everybody loves their kids, at least I hope they do, uh, or it's World of Warcraft or running or lifting or whatever. You know, if you want to talk about how you what have just done something consistently for a really, really long time, 
that it doesn't matter. You just want the interviewer to find something that is interesting to you that can help you convey what kind of person you are. Because like I said at the beginning, once you're in the interview, that's your time to differentiate yourself. And the best way to do that is through connecting with the interviewer and getting them ultimately to like you. Uh, and sometimes you, it's just not going to happen. You're, you know, they're just so different than you and that's okay. You can't win them all, but you just want to at least have the opportunity to do that. And this is the best way to do it. So having said that, I'll leave it there. This is a short one. Uh, it's the last section, no more than three lines. If you want to see exactly kind of the format, just head to the blog post. The link will be in the description. Um, thanks so much for listening. Again, this is uh, episode number 11, transition tip number 10. Uh, thanks so much uh, for, for listening. If you have any questions, as always, you can email me at pat at transitionvetcoach.com. That's pat at transitionvetcoach.com. Uh, we always conclude every podcast uh, for the Vet Coach Transition Tips podcast with my favorite quote, one of my favorite quotes. It's a, it's a Winston Churchill quote, and it goes like this. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. You might win an interview, but it might not be a good fit ultimately when you get on when you get on the job. You might fail at an interview, it's not the end of the world. When when you go through this process, it's going to be exhausting at times and it's going to be a lot of work. Um but you have been through far more difficult times wearing a uniform. I promise you that. Just remember that courage that you needed to get through those really tough times on deployment or on the ship or underway or whatever it was and you know, put on, you know, pull up your pull up your pants and buckle up and and get back at it because you'll get you will you will find success in this process if you if you remember the courage and the fortitude and the hard work that you displayed on active duty if you do that you'll get through this prom this this process i promise you that uh, once again thanks for listening uh, this is the vet coach transition chips podcast transition tips podcast this is your host pat bergstresser uh visit us at transitionvetcoach.com for for all of the blog posts and other podcasts and, and all the other content that that we put out again we do have a free transition chip a free transition checklist. Uh, if you just sign up for our newsletter, you can get head, head to the site. Uh, it'll send you an email to confirm. And once you confirm uh, that you intended to subscribe, it'll uh, give you a link to download the pod, uh, download the PDF. Uh, and, it, and it's step-by-step everything that we talk about on this podcast written out so you can check those boxes off as you go along, just like you used to in your notepad or your wheelbook on active duty. So once again, uh, Pat Bergstresser, this is the Vet Coach Transition Tips Podcast. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you guys next time. You've been listening to the Vet Coach Transition Tips Podcast. For more transition tips and content, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out transitionvetcoach.com. Thanks so much for your service and all you do. As always, if you have any questions, email Pat directly at pat at transitionvetcoach.com.